Hi, this is Better Red Than Dead, a literature podcast from a left perspective. I'm Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. Today, we are wrapping up our three-parter on the new journalism, and we are going to be talking about the electric Kool-Aid acid test, which is Tom Wolfe's 1968 book about Ken Kesey and the Merry Pranksters travels across America and doing massive amounts of LSD, and it's long. It <laughs> or is it feels long. It's a lot longer than I thought it was when I pitched it. It's well, <laughs> it's also that it feels long. Yeah. It, it feels, feels <laughs> it feels three times longer than it is. Yeah. So, yeah. well, you know. All right. Anyway, so yeah, Tristan, why do you want to read it? <laughs> yeah. So there are books we choose for the podcast because they're great. Moby Dick. Yeah. Huh. Right. Unconditionally. Uh, there are books we choose because they're so goofy. Castle Vetranto. Also Moby Dick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also Moby Dick again. Yeah. And then there are books we choose. And honestly, we've been doing that a lot to start this season off uh, <laughs> that we choose just for the sheer pleasure of ripping at a new asshole. And, and, and Tom Wolf has been on my shit list for about 20 years. Yeah, you know, I think that started when I wasted many days in the early 2000s slogging through a man in full and a disastrously misguided use of time. Isn't um, that 800 pages or is yeah, that just? Oh, yeah, it's I know it's like it's like 80,000 pages. Yeah, it's it's massive. Yeah. It's, Can you just say that title again, just so we know who Tom Wolf is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. A man in full. Yes. In yeah. full. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I should point out, uh, this was also the same era when Wolf was prancing around Manhattan owning the libs. Not in a good way, though. No, in a George W. Bush's good actually way. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great guy. Um, so I am conflicted, sort of, whatever, about acid test. It was probably the most famous foundational new journalism text that I hadn't previously read. And that was the main reason I wanted to read it. In addition to like, yes, I, I figured it would give me a chance to. to and uh, I to already sh- picked the white off. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. And yeah. And yeah. And, you know, Hunter Thompson is, yeah, okay, whatever. But like, I, I do think there are. And it's journalist. not Norman Mailer. Sorry, I'm done. Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, as we as we said, I think uh, you know, at the Didion episode, it seems like maybe Capote was the best one, which is saying something. I you know, I do think there are journalistic aspects in acid tests that are impressive. For one thing, the sheer quantity of reporting that had to go into producing a pretty convincingly first person or at least like present narrative for 416 pages about hippies getting high like that. Yeah. Okay. That <laughs> as a former reporter, that took some doing for sure. Yeah. There is some undeniably funny shit in here, and I can see why it's so influential to sucky people, but also to, to some reporters who don't suck. But, 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 but the politics are garbage. Wolf's politics and the pranksters in different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, to some degree, it feels almost like Wolf is the mark for the pranksters. Shocking of the squares, you know, a little of the old uh, epithet le bourgeois, which I think was Bo- Baudelaire's rallying cry, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm all for that. Like, I even think that that sort of thing can make a decent political point, except one, this whole thing is such a fucking white bourgeois undertaking. And two, Kesey actively resists politics of any kind because he is a shitty libertarian. So this will be fun. We will laugh. We will get mad and we will dunk. Yep. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> um, Soar okay. like the eagle. God, right. Uh, in our um, American flag shirts. Yeah, I'm wearing one right now. <laughs> Under all my clothes, I have an American flag shirt that I wear all the time. It's always on me. Yeah, I mean, with the eagle. Yes. Um, Katie, why did you want to read it? 
I was like Kool-Aid man and I wanted to bust through a wall from being so mad and that's why I wanted to read it. Um, no, that's not why. Uh, it's because my prom date wore a white suit and upstaged me and I've never gotten over it. So I wanted to make one of Tom Wolf. No, that's not why either. <laughs> Um, the actual reason I wanted to read this is that it's about the ectoplasm of experience, man. Mm-hmm. So I was down. And what I found was that, um, and I, I do accept my banishment from society once I say this, but I'm going to bring up the movie Anchorman. Um, <laughs> because it's a great it's, movie. <laughs> it's just, yeah, that's, that's a good laugh. Um, I laughed, I cried, I read the electrocolloid acid test, what happened? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, the once I've been pardoned for bringing up Anchorman, the closest thing I can compare reading this to is, like, listening to Steve Carell's character, Brick, just, like, <laughs> announce that he's done a string of brutal things, and then says, I once I killed a man with a trident. Yeah. And... And at times, this book makes you feel like you're the man being killed by the trident. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you're the trident. But in most places, Wolf is narrating in what I like to call the, the brick style. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, and, I mean, well, we'll tr- I love lamp is definitely something that one yeah. of the pranksters would say for sure. Absolutely. You know? Yep. There's some <laughs> I love lamp ass shit in here. <laughs> yeah, there really is. I love lava lamp. Yeah. I love yeah. lava lamp. <laughs> uh, but uh I mean, you know, Tristan, you got the super cool and groovy task of summarizing this. But um <laughs> another way of doing it, uh, I don't know if you're gonna I don't know if I'm stealing your lines here, but um the, my summary was I can tell who people are by their shoes once I met a sleeping bag that could get you pregnant. Um <laughs> here is a list of men who are stocky and muscular (laughs) this lady is nude in a bus (laughs) but the one thing i guess i felt if we're let's come up with it let's all come up with one nice thing to say um my nice thing to say (laughs) is that sometimes when he's complaining that riding in school buses with nude hippies makes for a bumpy ride and will you knock it off with a mandolin already I could get behind some of that. Yeah. Oh, the flute. Yeah. yeah. Oh, was it the... Oh, no, 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 it's both. But the flute mm. shit just made me like... Yeah. Well, yeah. he was So mad. It, it, somebody was tootling mercilessly on yeah. an instrument. Mm-hmm. Tootling yep. mercilessly. Yep. Yeah. Okay. You can do that, I guess. <laughs> um, but I, I also do think like that psychedelics in of themselves are interesting and i wanted i like i wanted i wasn't expecting where this was going um (laughs) but it went there so that'll be fun to discuss but in this i'll i'll say that it just looks like a bunch of maniacs who were trying to macgyver society together with acid because they were following a cool guy tm and (laughs) and uh what could be more fun to chat about with with your pod pals so i'm pumped i love a cool guy we love a we love a cool guy. I'll get into any bus with any cool guy. <sighs> okay, so I read reread this book. I haven't read it since high school, which was also a bad experience because I am in a sense you mean high like school? a well, God forbid, but I am a bit of a cultural ambassador for hippie bullshit. Um, <laughs> when you grow up 
in Oregon as I did and have lived in Eugene and Portland as I have, you become familiar with the absolute abject stupidity of the tie-dye, psychedelic, etc. bullshit of nonsense hippie culture. <laughs> um, Ken Kesey, Chuck Kesey too, was a dude in Eugene. Like they, He lived outside of Springfield, so just across the river. His funeral was held at the McDonald Theater in downtown Eugene, which is where I, as a teenager, saw the recut of The Exorcist, which is a good movie, by the way, and much more worthy of discussion than this book. I <laughs> have opinions on it, very much like my opinions on Rosemary's Baby, etc. They're smart. That I have nothing smart to say about this book. Um, this book made me so mad on many levels the like politics are stupid nonsense you know that of course made me think of the moment in didion where she's like these dumb black panthers and they're like say nothingness and it's just like oh shut the fuck up yeah yeah same same time right like Yeah. Well, yeah. And, yeah. And actually, though, you know what? Like, because uh, we talked last about like all these cool ass, very radical silent generation types. Keezy, silent generation type who 100% on board with Joe Didion being like, politics are dumb and you're dumb yep. if you think anything. Yeah. Yep. Except that like she hates fun and he seems to have this like aggressive <laughs> approach to fun, which is that yeah. it sounds like no fun to me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Aggressive approach to fun sounds like the <laughs> merciless toodling. <laughs> it's the same category as merciless yeah. toodling for sure. <laughs> um, it sounds awful. You know, like I know Dharma, bum, etc. Like hippie weirdo is true of Allen Ginsberg, but I also think this book misrepresents him. I I defend the guy. I love him. I hate. I find this honestly like incredibly humorless, even though. It thinks it's very funny. And to me, that's like the same as an aggressive approach to like, that's the same category. It's Mm -hmm. like, "Ah, isn't this funny? Like, get really just drugs. Don't they seem fun to you? And they seem like (laughs) the least fun. Yeah. Please laugh. (laughs) Please laugh. I'm dying up here. (laughs) The prose is great for a while, but it goes on forever. Like, Mm. a little bit like, the worst of acid trips wherein you think that everyone you know is against you and the best thing you could do is like hide in a corner while you are pretending to be an invisible mouse um (laughs) this is not something that has really happened to me at all Just uh, just just to interject because I I forgot to include this in the important context, but Wolf did uh you know do LSD ones for research purposes for for this right and much like Maureen Dowd in Colorado in like 2012 uh, had a very bad experience uh, and yeah that, like if, I, if if listeners aren't familiar with that uh, classic New York Times column when she went to report on uh, uh, Colorado's new uh, marijuana legalization yeah she ate like 500 milligrams of THC and freaked out in her bathroom for 15 hours and it's like Duh. of course Wolf did the psychedelic version of that you know like, I mean like anybody <laughs> will tell you like don't like less is more when it yeah, comes to yeah, drugs yeah, and you're inexperienced yeah, yeah yeah so you think you want to try edibles <laughs> yeah. so you think you yeah. want to try anything that's yeah. like- <laughs> uh, get other snacks 
Yeah. Get, yeah. Yeah. Here's a here's a gallon of cheap vodka. You know, I mean, I think the best advice I've ever heard about weed is if it's not working, take more. <laughs> wait, wait <laughs> half an hour. If it's not working, <laughs> yes. take yeah. more. Rapid. Don't, don't even wait a half hour. Like five every five minutes more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a great idea. Also, like Tom Wolf would not that's the least surprising thing i've ever heard that he was like this acid made me like (laughs) yeah yeah. have even less fun than the usual yeah (laughs) how can you possibly go out in the streets of manhattan and own libs uh, if you're that high (laughs) yeah yeah but like okay so like yeah it would be a lie to say that i had better things to do than read this book but i had fantasy that i have better things to do mm-hmm. and that's as important and i also just like man i hope i don't get canceled for this i will just put it out there that psychedelics ruin music in more than one period of time um <laughs> there's like a couple good bands from this moment but not very many they mostly suck and <laughs> molly contributed to edm which is truly a scourge upon humankind yeah oh come on you're (laughs) gonna come after my edm now (laughs) all i have (laughs) i'm off the pod (laughs) (laughs) yeah when i was a youth we didn't even call it molly Uh, yeah Uh, but if you want to freak out, if you want to freak out your college students, ask them what Molly is. <laughs> Just look at them and say, "What's hey guys? What's Molly? Uh-oh. Who's Molly? Who's Molly?" <laughs> um, EDM is terrible. If I learned anything from this book, it is only that heroin is good for music. It's the only drug that's good for music. I have many examples. Don't write me an email. Just go listen to Billie Holiday and take my word for it. How do you feel about the Grateful Dead, Megan? <laughs> <laughs> Nope, not, nope, that's not what this show is for, because I have too many incredibly angry opinions about the people in Eugene, Oregon, who have Grateful Dead tattoos, who have Keep on Trucking tattoos, who have little bears encircling various biceps and ankles in in little bear rows i see like this is how much i know about the dead is that i know lyrics and cultural iconography despite having listened to them like twice (laughs) because there is not enough weed in the world to make me enjoy the grateful dead (laughs) they're inventing new types every day that's true that's true there's got to be some like bejeweled scorpion that's gonna turn me into a fan yeah yeah maybe the yeah, point is, is don't yeah. live in eugene i'm sorry my parents and my sister yeah. and many of my friends from high school but don't <laughs> they're there and you said this about the grateful dead they're not safe anymore <laughs> <laughs> none of them listen to the grateful dead but many of them went to the university of oregon where apparently they have a sports ball team more than one. They have more than one sports ball team. Sponsored Huge. by Nike TM. <laughs> now sponsor our show. Yeah, got us so with sports. They won't. But give Nike, us. Nike loves communists. Yeah, they do. <laughs> That's what I've heard about them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Oh, they're anarchists there. Okay, there's one thing. That's good. Today we're talking about this book sort of like, it's cultural politics, it's race, class, and gender politics. 
it's insistence that like we're in a movie it's narrative techniques around that and it's constructions of space and place so (laughs) tristan uh tell us what happens other than this lady is naked this sleeping bag gets you pregnant and stop playing the goddamn mandolin and or flute Oh, well, shit, thanks. I guess we're done with that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a long one. And I really am mainly summarizing the first 100 pages, at which point it's just, okay, you get the idea. We can we can wind through the rest of this pretty quick. Um, yeah. But, okay. There was some skimming, I think, on all of our parts in the yeah, middle yeah. 300 and, and, pages. It's a heavy skim. Honestly, I thought one of the main things to kind of talk about and to give some examples of are the, are the stylistic sort of things and the, the kind of narrative technique more than what is in many ways a very repetitive <laughs> narrative. So, but yeah, this is going to be bonkers, right? Uh, and and part of that is because the book is what I just said. It's about people tripping balls on LSD and some other psychedelics and fucking and having bad politics. Part of it is also Wolf style, which I mean, it it is simultaneously innovative. I mean, there there are kind of like brilliant moments in how he does some of these things, or I guess whatever. Um, and also like, you know, it's hard to follow as a standard journalistic narrative, which intentionally is not sorta. It's also just like fake, messy ripoff modernism. Like there is yeah, some innovation, yeah. but it's also just like I Faulknered this before. Thank you. Yeah, no, it, it it definitely has an aspect of that for sure. Um, but you know, it, like it as a matter of kind of like nonfiction of reporting of journalism. I mean, that again, like you know, the, the one of the hallmarks of the new journalism applying the techniques of like fiction to, to nonfiction. So that so I mean, in in the realm of kind of nonfiction narrative, this is you know, this is like innovative in, in a way. Yeah. So it, like and and so in Wolf's author's note at the end, he he tells us that you know, in that in that sort of those stylistic choices, he was essentially trying to recreate being perpetually high on acid. And this is quoting Wolf. I have tried not only to tell what the pranksters did, but to recreate the mental atmosphere or subjective reality of it. I don't think their adventure can be understood without that. Which, I mean, to some degree, okay, I understand what he's, he's doing with that. I, I don't want to oversell how experimental the prose is, which I think Wolf definitely does. You know, he's got these like, this fucking goofy punctuation for, you know, unlike people like Faulkner or Joyce, where there's a clear reason for it, kind of no clear reason. And, you know, he often includes this, like, trippy, I'm putting quotes around that, somewhat obnoxious verse that he interjects at the beginning of a lot of chapters, which is bad. And yeah, this ain't fucking Ulysses. This ain't Absalom, Absalom. But it also, it doesn't feel quite like a conventional linear narrative, even though it is, which is, okay, so that is kind of an interesting tension. Um, There's a lot of sense descriptions, a lot of people drifting in and out of scenes and, you know, some playing with temporality. So uh, the book picks up in San Francisco in 1966 with the pranksters eagerly awaiting the return of Ken Kesey, who has been arrested on returning from Mexico, uh, where he had fled in one of the goofiest fugitive plots of all time, which I will get into. It's amazing because he was trying to don't try and fake your own death, you fucking chud. Well, well, we're due. (laughs) <laughs> Particularly if you're going to do it as dumbly as yeah. he tries to do it. If you're going to um, do it like he doesn't do it because it's funny, but don't actually do yeah, it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. And yeah, he it was a it was a marijuana charge because LSD actually wasn't illegal yet. I did did was that under Reagan or maybe that was a little bit before Reagan became governor, I'm not sure. But I I know Reagan was very into like the hippies and their acid or you know like destroy the the the, the state or whatever. Yeah, I honestly don't know. And then there's also the like when it becomes a federal crime, right? right? So it's yeah, like I, yeah. 
Those are yeah. are they two different things? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I actually I don't know if it was scheduled federally before it was like banned by you know state law in California. Um, but but yeah, Reagan was very anti acid. As was the show Dragnet. That was largely the point of that show. <laughs> Like I, I remember as a kid watching Sergeant Joe Friday, Busty, the the travel agent, uh, you know, like Blue Boy who went face down in the mud. I, this was very scary when I was like seven years old and watching. It. I mean, Reagan was governor in 1968, so that makes sense to me. And also, yeah. how old are you? I how watched Nick you? at Night when I was when I was eight years old. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, like, Dragnet really freaked me out when I was a kid. It was a little bit like, hey Tristan, yeah, are you Dragnet <laughs> chronologically? The age that you claim. <laughs> Law and order hippie unit. Yeah. Yeah. Henry Henry Morgan's a great actor, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> but, when I was watching I Spy, I tell you what. Did everyone see Dragnet? <laughs> don't. Don't. Please don't. No. Um, no. But yeah, so so here, okay, all right. So we're waiting for Keezy to get back, and here's Tom Wolf wearing his ridiculous all-white three-piece suit that he wore his entire life, basically. And he's speeding through San Francisco in a truck full of hippies. And here's another quote. One after another, electric signs with neon martini glasses lit up on them. Thousands of neon magenta martini glasses bouncing and streaming down the hill, and beneath them hundreds, thousands of people wheeling around to look at this freaking crazed truck we're in. Their white faces erupting from their lapels like marshmallows, streaming and bouncing down the hill and God knows they've got plenty to look at. Yeah, that <laughs> that kind of gives you the sense of the pro style we get throughout where Wolf's perspective as observer is filtered through the perspective that he attempts to recreate of the group. Also, there are viewing booths in North Beach, so like <laughs> they've got plenty to look at there, but they could like also just go look at titties. So yeah, he he does. Yeah, he has that lie, which I, I know drew, drove you crazy, Megan. Where he's like, North Beach was like no, it was changed. That it, it was it no longer had that kind of vibe to it. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. I haven't been there in 20 years, but well, no, like 10 years. Yeah. But North Beach is where they unionized the like had a sex workers union at the fucking lusty lady like north beach ruled yeah what if what if anytime tom wolf comes around people just like throw clothes on like like no (laughs) (laughs) he he i I listened to it and i'll talk about some of the interviews i listened to with wolf talking about the book but he's like at one point one of the hippies looked at it was like you got the weirdest outfit here. <laughs> <And it's> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Yes, Colonel. You do indeed have the weirdest outfit here. Yeah. <laughs> Good point, flower crown lady. <laughs> <laughs> but so anyway, we get to the Prankster's warehouse and the, the Tenderloin district, and which is an abandoned pie making factory. That's funny to me. It has no functioning bathroom, which Wolf is very, I had to go to the gas station and to pee and the man looked at me strange. Oh, so much on yeah, the peeing. Yeah. yeah. It, he has crabs it, now. <laughs> yeah. It was a thing people got in the 60s, I think. Yes. Yes. From, 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 uh, particularly from you having to use gas station bathrooms as, as that <laughs> happens. Yeah. Um, totally. <laughs> they're being circled by the dragnet of crabs. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, we're all sitting around. We're waiting for Keezy still, um, and he's you know because he's getting released from jail. He's been re- you know rearrested. Now he's getting released. We're introduced to further inexplicably spelled with two U's the, the prankster's bus that they had taken cross country in 1964. More on that in just a bit. 
hey, we meet our old friend, Neil Cassidy, whom listeners will remember as Dean Moriarty from On the Road. And Cassidy is very high on speed, as he is throughout the book, and twirling a sledgehammer like a drum major's baton, as one does. Rough. He looks rough. (laughs) Yeah, he he looks like the amount of speed he has taken, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, he looks like a lot of liquor and speed was a great idea. Yeah, yeah. You become a pillar of speed if you look back. Yeah, yeah. Thin though, so hey, right? Hey, another skinny legend. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, Kesey does show up, and despite having been interviewed by Wolf in jail very recently, Kesey kind of like, who this when he sees Wolf? Like, what the fuck are you doing here? Which is pretty great, Because he could be mistaken for anyone else in the whole world. Yeah, Yeah, it it turns out a lot of people in the the psychedelic community are kind of freaked out about what Kesey has been saying, that he's going to do an acid test graduation meaning they've transcended the need for LSD to bust open those doors of perception. And, and now they need to get beyond acid. So some people are really mad about this. They think the keys he's selling out to the cops, which I think he kind of was. Others have no fucking idea what he means. Honestly, who the fuck does? Like, who knows? Is, you know? We do know that after Kesey did a, a pretty small stretch of time for the drug charges soon after the events of the book, he moved back to his family's farm in Oregon and kicked the pranksters out in relatively short order. This story is amazing. I have to tell it. Um, so according to Ken Kesey, in a fucking Terry Gross interview to show you how like mainstream <laughs> this fucking shit uh, is, or at least became, the pranksters all wanted to go to Woodstock in 69. Kesey thought that was dumb. And when they were gone, he found that some of the heavy kids had let a candle burn down to the end of his hayloft. So when the practicers get back to Oregon, he's just left a sign on the entrance of his farm that said, no. <laughs> just I mean, word, that's no. fucking great. That is, I mean, honestly, that 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 was one of the few moments uh, or, or that I've uh, that I've heard of of his uh, his 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 days with the pranks. So I was like, all right, I, I kind of I'm vibing with you right now, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah, thought I did, but yeah, and that's well after the events of this book, and soon we're not in 1966 anymore either. Uh, so yeah, it's it's important to know. I think we may have said this already. Wolf only spent like three weeks hanging out with the pranksters. He was never on their famous cross country bus trip. Everything he assembles from extensive interviews, notes that he got from the pranksters, their massive collection of film that they let it like they 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 filmed themselves constantly in these like absurd and like unwatchable like home movies. And and it is imp- I mean like as yeah, again you know kind of having having done some small form of like reporting um like assembling that amount of material and presenting this you know believable kind of first person narrative like there's there's no question that that is that is an impressive uh, journalistic achievement but yeah so we, we follow kesey back to his days getting a graduate degree in creative writing at stanford in the late 1950s where he lived in what wolf describes as basically like a bohemian commune called perry lane but one that is also quite academic, like grad students live there, writers live there, professors live there. And actually, one of the people on the 64 bus trip, Jane Burton, was a Stanford philosophy professor, which I want to note because Wolf often obscures just how, again, bourgeois this entire fucking undertaking mm-hmm. is, right? A couple of things of note happen at Stanford. Uh, at the end of the fellowship, Casey publishes One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which I, when I was 17, I really enjoyed. I, I, it's a, you know, I, I want to kind of revisit that one. I don't, but you know, I, I, re- I honestly don't know how I would react to it today, but I, once upon a time, I enjoyed it. I mean, needless to say, I have opinions about like what it means to like 
martial first person through a native person for like yeah. um effect which mm-hmm. is not to say like oh this is racist like that's that's too stupid but yeah like do you see what i'm saying like that there's there's a technique of like inhabiting the native point of view that's important to him and i think it's odd no that no i mean that that totally makes sense and again that's that's you know i i am would be curious to kind of look again at that book and see you know like yeah see, see what how how it looks to be you know knowing a lot more at this point in my life but uh but yeah so that's one thing that happened the second thing that happens he becomes a paid volunteer for these lsd experiments this that's uh stanford psychology lab and let's be honest probably the cia i was gonna right. say like <laughs> the CIA, yeah, yeah. i believe yes. yeah 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 no connection to stanford for yeah. the cia yeah um <laughs> And Kesey, he's an Olympic wrestler who claimed to have never been drunk before this, is really fucking into it. Like he loves acid. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. loves acid a lot. So good, good, good job, CIA. I guess. Like last. And year. once you get into it, you got to do road trip with the honkies. Exactly. And 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 thank you for that, because now we're going to fast forward to 1964. <laughs> Kesey has written another book, Sometimes a Great Notion, which I have not read. It is well regarded, but it sounds insane to me. Um, it's about like the heroes of the book are scab loggers, like, <laughs> like anti-Uden loggers. So. Yeah, somebody in a review is like, it's really courageous of him to like, take the anti-Union position in this book. And it's like, <laughs> what the <laughs> was this review in the national review i'm sure <laughs> did, did ross do doubt had what write that you know <laughs> i also like that they do this like dodge where they're like leslie fiedler wrote a ambivalent review and i'm like really you would think yeah king yeah, of the new york yeah. intellectuals leslie fiedler <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but so yeah, that was his second big novel. And then Kesey's like kind of done with the writing thing, man. Instead, he wants to lead a psychedelic revolution of consciousness with, I, I think, like decidedly religious overtones, certainly in Wolf's depiction. Like Wolf's Kesey is a guru figure for sure. He calls he's the non-navigator, navigator of the group. Maybe even kind of as like Wolf portrays like a cult leader of a kind. He joins up with his friend Ken Babs, who's this ex-military helicopter pilot who was in the early days of the U.S. Imperial War in Vietnam uh, when, when the U.S. entered that conflict. And and they they decide they're going – again, It's this is weird because it's like – you know, all of the stuff we associate with the 60s, this is at the very beginning of so much of that shit. Like, there aren't really hippies yet when they're being hippies. And, like, yeah, the fact that Ken Babs uh, is a Vietnam vet in 1964, that's, like, crazy early for, like, what we tend to think of that, you know. So, yeah. you know, just something interesting to, to think about, I guess. So their idea, they're going to take their day glow mandala painted bus further, complete with a fuck shack and a dozen of their closest <laughs> friends cross country to see the 1964 <laughs> worlds there in New York City. Four drugs of acid. Road <laughs> yeah. trip. Yep. <laughs> yep. And just, yes, lots of acid. All right. So now I'm going to start skim skim skimming. Yes, tons of acid on the trip. They've they've dissolved it into this communal jug of orange juice. They have no idea how much they're actually taking at any given time, which seems wise. Great idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like one of the pragsters, who's nicknamed Gretchen Fetchen, uh, gets high and dives into an algae pond. That's a pivotal moment. Another. She pragster- called herself in the like interview. She calls herself that in the interview, the retrospective interviews from like the nineties. Yeah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a it was a very it was a very uh, yeah. It, it, it's a persona for sure. It's um, also like in a p- poem, like Gretchen Fetchin got I don't know Gretchen Fetchin fetched her go from yeah. <laughs> 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 to get to the other side, man. <laughs> <laughs> Through the doors of perception. Yeah. Yeah, right. So uh, another prankster nicknamed Stark Naked because she um, is naked all the time. <laughs> Wait, explain. Out. I don't get it. I don't <laughs> get so the, the thing is, she she does she you know people wear clothes and she just decides to stop okay. doing that. All right. Okay. So okay. So so what's a creative nickname that we could come up with? Right. The, yeah. The, um, the, yeah. The nudist. We'll call her the nudist. <laughs> Well, she really wigs out on acid and gets basically abandoned by the pranksters in Houston. They're they're terrific people. There's this very weird scene in Louisiana where they roll up to a black segregated beach on Lake Pontchartrain, unwit like they don't realize it's a segregated beach because I don't. It honestly doesn't really uh, is not that clear to me that it really registers with them that they're driving through the Jim Crow South in any sort of meaningful way. And the lesson they take from this experience is, whoa, the black people sure were mad we were swimming at their beach, huh? And not, holy shit, Jim Crow is fucking awful. Like, and, and I, I know we we have to sort of talk about our, the the bad kind of racial politics of the pranksters and the book, and you know, and and how that fits into its cultural politics for sure. The de- degree that you can be that from Oregon and that stupid is like yeah. astonishing because the Oregon Constitution literally banned black people; like they could right. not become residents of the state. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, was was it the was it the only state that did that in the 19th century or like the first state to do that? I honestly don't know, but it's an important part of the history that somebody could like grow up there and not yeah. know that yeah. Yeah. or not yeah, know yeah. like what the tension that is produced in that racial politics is is just like you're going through the Jim Crow South and you never mind. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it's, it's, from, yeah, it's remarkable. But, the, but there's also a lot of California like dipshits on this trip. Too, oh, yeah. For sure. Know? For so, sure. Like, but yeah, it's, it's bad. There's a lot of bad stuff in that, like really bad stuff in that vein in this book. So they do get to New York. Uh, they, they meet up with Jack Kerouac, who honestly at this point is just kind of a sad old drunk and not really having any of this. He's just kind of like, okay, whatever. Like my, my trip is over, man. Uh, but Alan, I honestly, I did, I almost feel slightly bad making fun of that. Cause he, I mean, Carol rock was getting to be in really rough shape by that point. Yeah. Alan Ginsberg arranges a meeting between the pranksters and, to, and the Timothy Leary group, um, as this kind of East coast, West coast gathered to the acid heads. This is one of the funniest scenes in the book. It's the best. Leary wants nothing to do with him. So this is a quote. The practitioners expected the Learyites to come rolling out of the house like the survivors of the siege of Khartoum. Instead, a couple of figures there on the law dart back into the house. <laughs> like so they're just running from this piece. What the fuck? I know. And, and Leary sends poor Richard Albert uh, Ram Das later. <laughs> uh, Be uh, here now, my about. friends. R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah, RIP. Yeah, fairly recently, just a couple of years yeah. ago, I think. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, so poor, poor Richard Alfred gets set out to entertain them. It's like, hi. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, Kesey asks Alfred for more acid, and Alfred's like, no. Um, morning glory seeds the house. <laughs> so yes. Don't be here now. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry. I'm only going to make that joke twice. Be, be somewhere. Uh, be off my lawn now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> but Leary never appears. Be there now. Leary, Over there, far <laughs> Leary just sits up in his his room. And, and this I, this isn't in the book, but apparently Leary did hang out with one of them. He's like, okay, Cassidy can come hang with me. That's it. I don't want to talk to any of the rest of them. <laughs> and he seems so. to have been a charming, absolutely insane person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, for the next, it's that was like the first hundred pages. We're going to do the next three hundred pages very, very quickly. So eventually, we get back to California, La Honda, which is south south of the Bay Area. All the pranksters just kind of live at Kesey's place in the woods, doing tons of psychedelics, of course, painting the redwood trees day glow, uh, watching the sixty million hours of film that they took during this over and over again, with apparently Neil Cassidy constantly narrating it, which sounds amazing. Uh, <laughs> what you don't re-listen to every episode of this podcast and like do your own commentary over it, yeah, while yeah, pounding this speed, yes. podcast while pounding speed, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. New episode drops next week. Via Hunter Thompson, <laughs> who I have to say, I mean, look, I tell you, Thompson, I have a lot of conflicted thoughts about Thompson. I will say his his Nixon obituary is one of the funniest pieces of political writing ever. But I mean, he's a fucking mess and in many ways an asshole. His stock is going up and up and up the up more up. the other new yeah. journalists I read. He could also actually be funny. Like, for real, he could. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. When, yeah. I mean, I Thompson, it, I really do think fried his brain to the extent that he like really dropped off. But yeah, no, he, he could be very funny in a way that Wolf, I think, is decidedly not. He also introduced Oscar Zeta Acosta to the literary world, who is like a major figure and sort mm-hmm. of under described. And so I th- I like give him a lot of credit for that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, so uh, Thompson, who, of course, wrote the famous Hells Angels book, um, he introduces the pranksters and they become uh, to the Hells Angels and they become BFFs. I had, again, like very sus politics all around this, you know, like the, uh, the, the you know, anyway. So, yeah. The, the, so, OK, so that happens. The Vietnam Day Committee makes the disastrous mistake of inviting the pranksters to help kick off a ba- big anti-war march. And Kesey says of Paul Jacobs, who's one of the main organizers that Jacobs reminds him of Mussolini, uh, <laughs> and th- and he, which he says into the microphone. And then he also says this ridiculous shit into the microphone. Again, this is this is trying to get this crowd of like tens of thousands of people to get you know ready for their 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 march. Uh, and Casey's like, they're marching stomp. There's only one thing to do. There's only one thing's going to do any good at all. And that's everybody just look at it. Look at the war. Turn your backs and say, fuck it. Like, Cool, man. Like, protest is just playing their game. Like, you know, no politics, has politics. He fucking says that, like, m- like if you march, like, do a protest march, you're doing the same thing that the military is doing. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, it, it is just, like, peak libertarian bullshit. It, okay, so, we, I'm sorry, but I, I love Queen Marianne Williamson, but one of the ding-dongiest things she proposed was being like, we don't need, we don't need a department of defense we need a department of peace man we need it to be oh peace God. man so we're not the same P- peace man but and you know what i think marianne is actually a lot more coherent honestly i mean oh. yeah you know like that that's like maybe the like smart version of it i mean still i'm not gonna i'm not gonna endorse that but it's the at least it's i mean it's some it's it's it's, it's a better idea than anything i read in the electric kool-aid acid test <laughs> yeah. it's certainly a better idea than invading north vietnam <laughs> Yes. Yes. That's- Absolutely. We're going to take a hard line on not killing kids on this podcast. I hope that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I guess. Yeah. Well, love it or leave it. I guess we got to leave it. Right. Uh, <laughs> but- Bye. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, we're, we're really getting into the end here, I swear. So eventually, we're not, but I'm going to do it very fast. <laughs> so <laughs> eventually, the drug charge sends Keezy running to Mexico after we we previewed this, trying the dumbest fucking matter possible to fake his own suicide. So he gets a guy to help him crash his truck into the ocean, except it breaks down and the guy has a tow truck pull at the last mile, right? <laughs> so like all kinds of witnesses, everything else. Then the guy's supposed to dump Casey's boots on the coastline. Uh, and, 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 but he instead <laughs> flings them right the fuck into the water where they sink. So they're not, <laughs> not around to signal anything. Krusty the uh, clown fakes his own death way better than this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, exactly. You did like remember the the this uh, on the Simpsons vein where Homer tries to like uh, fake his own death and he he like you know he gets the car he puts rolling a down the on hill. The gas pedal. Yeah, well, he get he yes, I think he puts the brick on the gas pedal. It's going down the hill. He busts out of the door, and then he rolls down the hill at the same speed as the car and dumps back into the car. <laughs> the like, car. And then, yeah. <laughs> so. Look, nobody can be blamed for fucking this up unless the movie Double Jeopardy with Ashley Judd was out to teach you how to do it right. <laughs> Not greening, also for Morgan. So, just saying. This is this is a very Ken Kesey thing I'm doing right now, which is like pulling random bullshit together and pretending it means something. <laughs> it might. Nice, nice. Oh man, yeah. So that the suicide uh, fakie doesn't go well. In in Mexico, Casey starts a relationship with an American woman that they've nicknamed Black Maria, uh, and that which and you know again the sort of the racialization that runs through this but in very yeah weird and kind of dumb ways he's later joined by his old girlfriend mountain girl uh who's quite young i mean i think she's like late like 19 or something like that 18 or 19 with whom he's fathered a child all of which by the way seems totally fine with Keezy's wife Faye, who is quite central to this whole enterprise but like wolf spends almost no time discussing her presence at all which i find weird and i don't i don't know why that is and i don't quite know what to make of phase like presence but absence from all of this well he doesn't discuss much about her degree of nudity so i just think it's irrelevant i th- i i mean i i think that there is definite the, the most likely explanation is some fucking masculinist bullshit which is probably both wolves and and keezy's to be honest you know but yeah uh keezy can't really hack it in mexico in some funny i mean it's yeah it's funny what a dipshit he is he or wolf grossly terms mexico rat paradise uh and yeah meanwhile ken babs is leading the u.s pranksters and still holding these massive acid tests where they get the great <laughs> the grateful dead <laughs> big warehouse space with a giant drum of lsd lace kool-aid and get high with hundreds of people and you know they say t- they, they do those tours all around the state of california but the group starts to sour on Babs. He's become too autocratic or whatever. Keezy comes back, you know, as he was at the beginning. He gets arrested again, and he pledges to help the pranksters graduate from acid. Again, no one knows what the fuck that means. People generally lose interest in the whole thing. And we end with Keezy, sad and jamming with just Ken Babs, singing a song that they're making up with a constant refrain, we blew it. Yay, we're done. They found a portal directly into hell, and it's full of the Grateful Dead and Kool-Aid full of LSD. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. blew it, and everyone can blow me, because I had to read this damn thing. Blow my brains out. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Okay, context-wise. <laughs> oh, God. Tell us all about Tom Wolf, because what a guy. 
What he was. He was. So he is regarded along with Capote, Thompson, Didion, uh, and, and among others as 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 one of the founders of the new journalism in the 1960s. I think in Wolf's account, he is the founder of it. But you know, he's yeah. Uh, so Pretty I, sure in Cold Blood is like quite a bit before. This. It is quite a bit before that. Hey, it's a better fucking book, but like much better. Um, uh, I, I believe our guest last week, Sub Stockman, told the story, which sounds like bullshit, but Wolf swore this was true. That uh, Wolf was reporting a story on customized cars in LA in the ni- early 1960s. Uh, he runs up a $10,000 hotel bill, then gets writer's block, and uh, you know, he, and and he comes back to the editor of the Esquire, Byron DeBell, and's like, "I can't write it." And he's like, "What the fuck? We t- ten fucking thousand dollars, you asshole!" <laughs> like, and so and so DeBell's like, "Well, you you better write something." And so Wolf, like, he just like bangs out 50 pages of notes, uh, on, yeah, and and lays that on on. A desk and and DeBell loves it so much that he just slaps Wolf's byline on it and runs it as is as the candy colored tangerine flake streamline baby. I have worked in newsrooms. This really sounds like bullshit to me, but you know I wasn't there. So, <laughs> well, I've watched movies about newsrooms and it sounds yeah. also wrong, <laughs> yeah. even though because I saw all the president's men. Yeah, I mean, you know, you saw all the men of the president. <laughs> you saw all his men. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like maybe some aspects are true, but there sounds like a lot of omission and or embellishment. Um, but uh, Wolf also worked for the New York Herald Tribune, which at the time was in a losing struggle with the New York Times. And Wolf uh, said that 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 paper war also kind of fueled the new journalism, right? Like the the Herald Tribune was going to try to spice things up by dropping the objective voice, you know, telling stories like novels and trying to sell more papers. And yeah, so it, which yeah, I mean that I, I don't know. Like I find, I do find that stuff interesting politically. Does as we just about how like this. I know that this is going to sound kind of wacky, but like Playboy was a big player in that too. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Playboy Esquire, um, for sure. I mean, even the, even the New Yorker to an extent. Rolling right? I mean, Stone. Like, yeah, Rolling Rolling Stone for sure. Yeah. I just think people when people used to say like I read Playboy for the articles, like it was real. They publish real articles and titties. Like you can also like articles and titties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. These things are not in 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 opposition to to one another. Uh, But but um, yeah, as as I've said politically, Wolf was a lifelong obnoxious shit. He was a fucking Virginia aristocrat. This I did not know. His dad edited a journal entitled, and I shit you not, the Southern Planter. There was a journal called the Southern Planter. Did you know that because <laughs> I texted you? Yes. Mm. Yeah. 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 We, we no, I think we did, we discovered that fact at almost exactly the same time. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> because that is boggling. It is boggling. It is boggling. Okay. He, he, he got Yikes into Princeton, me, but just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He he got into Princeton, Katie. If you want to drop your your plug there. Oh yes, he got into Princeton University, the finest university that ever uh, had a tiger for a mascot the best one there is in new jersey (laughs) the good goodest one uh yes go go cats he did but he decided not to go there and instead go to washington washington and lee yes saw say i say i say (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of white suit material lining up here (laughs) then he got a phd in american studies from yale uh (laughs) burn on us now yeah 
a real real burn on us for sure. He wrote on he went on to write some bad fucking novels later in his career. I've always, I mean Bonfire of the Vanities is is the famous one. I have not actually read that one. A Man in Full again fifty thousand pages about a nineteen nineties real estate tycoon in Atlanta that Norman Mailer torched in a very gross way. And it's like cool two two people I hate fighty. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the beta fish when you take the wall out between. Yeah. <laughs> No, it actually sounds a little. Katie, have you not read this? Because it sounds a little bit like a Real Housewives sort of bag, right? Like real estate tycoon in Atlanta that has wives and they yell at each other. Yeah, no, I'm. Uh, I can't wait to get into um, a man and a man in full, um, <laughs> and I expect to get the full man. <laughs> if I don't get a man in full, I'm asking for a refund. And if it's 500 pages, I better get the full man. It, okay. It, it's it is not fifty thousand, but it is like eight or nine hundred pages. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's know. a that's a full man. It is a full. It's a full something. Uh, yep, it's full of man. <laughs> yeah, full full. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Wolf also hated John Irving, <laughs> who we accused of writing He's fables. Again, I'm like, see, I know why I don't like John Irving, but what? Anyway. Uh, okay, secretly, I enjoy John Irving, even though I know that it's ridiculous. I mean, you, we all like things that we're, you know, know are ridiculous. And I will say, I look, hey, John Irving does not bother me nearly as much as Tom Wolf or, or Norman Mailer, uh, just, just as a person, I would say. But Also, everybody could relax about occasionally liking bad stuff. I mean, for God's sake. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I totally agree. Uh, in the early 2000s, Wolf spent a lot of time reporting from frat houses as this aged weirdo for I Am Charlotte Simmons, which is about why college women are fucking too much, which that's cool. Cool. That's <laughs> that's a cool thing for a you know guy in his mid-70s to be working on. And yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> cool. They're fucking too much because they see him and they're like, death is coming for me. I have to fuck. <laughs> to stave off the reaper. God, yeah. Um, as I said, also a huge George W. Bush stan. That's again, yeah, okay. I, d- I don't want to ask why, but my brain's ask. My heart's not asking, but my brain is. But don't worry about it. I mean, I I think it's largely contrarian bullshit. Like you know, he he's in like this New York. Like all of his friends are New York, li- like you know, rich New York liberals who you know didn't like Bush. Not you know, I mean, for some of the reasons I also don't like Bush, but also not not a particularly you know robust critique of empire or anything like that. But we'll sh- oh, like you don't. Well, I do like him. Hmm. What do you think about that? <laughs> you know, he's just a self loathing Yaley, is what I'm hearing here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So Wolf's journalism, while often guided by, you know, here, right, as, as here, a fucking reactionary core premise is, is uh, you know, it, it, it does. It's good. Uh, often it does, you know, influential, compelling writing sometimes, as you probably know, you know, as, as well. No, actually, as I said earlier in the show, he was famous for wearing this bright white three piece suit all the fucking time. Which he told again, Terry Gross. This is from a fucking Terry Gross <laughs> interview <laughs> that that he it's, it was a reporting aide. See, so here's what Wolf says. This I, I, this is amazing. This is this is from this is quoting Terry Gross's show. I used to try to fit in. I remember doing a thing on stock car racing. I went down to North Wilkesboro, North Carolina, and I wore a green tweed suit and a blue button-down shirt and a black necktie and some brown suede shoes and a brown Borsalino hat. I figured that was really casual. 
After about five days, Junior Johnson, whom I was writing about, came to me and he says, I don't mean to be rude or anything, but people I've known all my life down here, they keep asking me, Junior, who is that little green man following you around? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Uh, yeah. And Wolf says, I a green tweed suit. To a stock car race, yeah. Yeah, I mean, who who wore a green? Anyway, yeah. Green green tweed. He was after their lucky charms. He was after their lucky charms. (laughs) It was then that it dawned on me that nobody for 50 miles in any direction was wearing a suit of any color or a tie for that matter or a hat. And the less said about brown suede shoes, the better. I was also depriving myself of the ability to ask some very obvious questions. If you're pretending to fit in and doing a damn good job of it, I must say, you can't ask these obvious questions. Yeah. So then he decides only a white three-piece suit for the rest of my life. Because I got to be the real me, man. And the real me <laughs> always wears a white suit. Yeah. Um, that's who I am on the inside. That's the real that me. I that as a deeply anti-coffee stance, and I don't like that. Yeah, I mean, that's a – I just like – how tight must one's butthole be to <laughs> – pull that off i mean you just like anything i mean like i just you know he, well no wonder like the, the the lack of a bathroom like freaked him out so much it's like you know what oh my <laughs> but, did he go swimming dom well i don't know i, I t- t- we, in the suit back, back, <laughs> back on the uh i think the joseph andrews episode we we talked about the the uh i think the, the arrested uh, development reference right to the the never nude tom wolf <laughs> is definitely a never nude mm-hmm, like there's no sure. question yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's Mormon naked and he wears those like knee length underwear and the t undershirt. Yeah. <laughs> the protection from bullets. Yeah. It's, yeah. And then just real quick, uh, Kesey, I don't really think much more needs to be said. He, he died in 2001 and, you know, spent the rest of his life as a big hippie. Didn't really publish much after uh, the, the anti-union book. He, uh, he taught at the University oh, of no. Oregon. You know, he, he, he is a, you know, he's, he's a great writer. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to contest that, but he is libertarian as fuck. And I'd really love to reopen our discussion of the libertarian vein of the counterculture, which is very opposed to the new left. And when leftists dunk on the new left, they really should be dunking on right-wing hippies like Ken Kesey. Also, final thing, the film version of the Pranksters 1964 expedition was finally released released in 2001 as magic trip it is only two hours long not like a million uh watch it it is wild and you can hear speed addled neil cassidy literally never shut the fuck up <laughs> you can also sort of watch it in the background like you can play candy crush and watch it yeah yeah also yeah, do yeah. some candy crush is that what we call it we can call <laughs> that now let's do that now yeah. right yeah. yeah 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 i haven't that's hip seen lsd in <laughs> years i don't even know how you get it what if anybody wants to tell us? Write it. It's <laughs> an email saying, "Here's how you can get some acid." <gasps> we won't do it anyway, um, because we sort of opened this up, though. Like, let's get into these politics, Tristan, because you're right. This is this like libertarian shit fit. So, I mean, one thing there, like, I do think the like the very kind of aggressively middle class like backgrounds of pretty much all of these people is, is important because it's like, yeah, they, I mean, I think that idea of like shock, like shocking the, you know, what, what, you know, I don't know, some more radical people would think of as like shocking the bourgeoisie. I think Keezy like, like, you know, freaking out the squares, man. It's like, you're mad at mom and dad is what the point is, you know? 
but like, yeah, it is. It, so, and, and again, I don't, you know, like if you want to do, you know, if you wanted like dr- drugs, you want, you know, to like uh, that, that whole kind of like personal, like Liberty thing. I'm fine with that. I just really bristle when it becomes the entire sum of your politics in a way that shuts down any sort of like kind of social approach to politics. And it's not even so much that for like, at least, you know, certainly Kesey, it shuts that down. They're like actively hostile to any politics that would try to motivate that into something like a kind of collective goal or a sort of like a, a shared community. I mean, they do have some sort of weird, but it's largely a community of, again, like fucking petite bourgeois, not even kids, like 30 somethings taking acid and painting trees weird colors. You know what I mean? So. And you're right. That totally, I think the popular imaginary right now is that that gets entangled with what is actually like a series of subcultural maybe overlaps is wrong but groups in the mid 1960s through the late 1960s right so it's like if you just take something like the bay area as a test case and you realize like oh that's a place where like there's the hate and fine but there's also the black panthers yeah yeah yeah, yeah. right and sds and like all this organizing and hunger strikes against the war and for other reasons. Like it's just a wild that they could do this and live there and so aggressively askew a politics is actually kind of wild. Yeah. 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 It is. I mean, it's, I think it's at the, the most benign form is that like, you just kind of like, I have, you know, blindly have your head up your ass. Like the worst form is that like, you're a- like actively hostile to, you know, movements that are trying to like change society for the better, you know, which are all around you. Right. So yeah. you have to be yeah. doing a particular kind of like aggressive denial of that. Co- I mean, the most egregious is when they go to that Vietnam yeah. protest. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, That's the thing is that if basically what they do is run around and like interrupt shit and be a pain in the ass. Yeah. And it's indiscriminate whether it's something that's actually fucking important or whether it's like this guy didn't want to let us all piss in his gas station. So time to break out the camera and and like do a monologue about how we're all one consciousness. Like there's no separation of. Because I guess if if the ba- entire basis of your personality and and lack of politics and whatever is just like I'm in a groovy bus, my man, yeah, then like it's the lack of dis- it's like the lack of distinction yeah. between the things that makes them like I don't care if you want to go paint a tree all day, like I no, just no go no. for it, fine, absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, I'm but gonna I, make fun of you. I mean, like. <laughs> I might paint a tree. Like, if it wouldn't hurt the tree, who can't, like... See, this is the being not from Eugene thing, that you don't, like, want to throw yourself down a staircase when you hear about somebody painting a tree. (laughs) (laughs) But I've also never met anybody who painted a tree, and I was like, you're cool, I like you. So (laughs) there might be something, there might be something there. But at any, yeah, no, at any event, it's like the... The aggressiveness of the non-politics is, in fact, what makes it political because it draws no dis- it draws no distinctions. Yeah. yeah, and that's what turns it into the libertarian territory. Yeah, right. Which is so they're not, but they're not mad about st- like they're not like they're not doing like the 
sovereign citizen shit. Like no. they're not like they're not even they like they're they're not like taxes are you doing a crime on me. No. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you're right. It like, it is even evacuated that like they, they do make this big point of like, they wear like these, these like ridiculous sort of American flag theme get up, but it's not, I mean, but there's also no, I mean, it, this is, we, I mean, th- this seems almost like I'm trying to let them off the hook for being reactionaries. I'm not, but like, there's not even like, there's not even like a, <laughs> they, there's no like politic to that either you know it's just like it's like what america yeah like that's where we are and like <laughs> the flag is these colors and like whoa yeah i mean sorry go ahead baby oh no i, I guess i just think like i have i mean clearly just like yeah i accept that there's going to be dipshits in buses who might be nude and in a cum crusted sleeping bag. But it's like, <laughs> it, there's no real distinction between like Keezy and what, and his fault, I guess, like the, the, the pranksters are fundamentally like they don't have a vision, stupid or not. They're like scared yeah. of the acid being taken away. Yeah. Like they're just freaked. They just like doing drugs and they're freaked out. And I don't expect them, like, I don't have expectations. Right. But these other people, it's sort of like it turns into something else because they have influence and pet they they wield power over these people and please I'm gonna take a header out the window with the discourse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I, I have to also have to say, like, to me, the the Lake Pontra train thing m- might be like one of the most infuriating or just like upsetting things of the book, because I think like their whole thing of like why. I mean, the cops will stop them, but they don't really have to like, well, we would get out our movie cameras. They're like, oh, you're a Hollywood types. I had like yeah. in middle America have never seen the like oh like and it's like, OK, this is like fucking freedom summer and shit that you're doing this. It's like people are getting killed by. By white supremacist police and you were riding through the fucking deep south in a bus that's like look the fuck at me i'm a weird hippie and get through completely unscathed and it's like yeah it's like that honestly tells me something about you and it's not a good thing that it tells me about you either you know no right. and to well to give no thought to why you can do it no but the thing is like i don't and i also didn't watch the movie it's like i didn't i didn't get anything I guess, like, why did they think they can do this? Well, because somebody told them they could, mm-hmm. and they think that he has special knowledge and power. Yeah, and so, yeah. and they're and giving them an excuse to do this like weird thing to get their jollies racistly yeah. on drugs, like whether they know it or not. Yeah, yeah. But they I mean, all the smushed together. Least they could do is hate. The fucking cops, right? Like, they're doing something with the marijuana charge or whatever that's illegal, right? And so it's, like, at no point after he gets arrested or, like, when they're stopped by the cops are they, like, these fucking pigs. And that is amazing (laughs) that they could not even hate the cops. They don't even have it in them to hate the fucking cops. Yeah, right. And, and yeah, and 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 that, again, like I'm not I am absolutely not suggesting that anyone like anyone should be hassled by the police. I'm not saying that at all. No, 
but but like but but what i am saying is like yes it's like you know the police that you're interacting with i mean honestly through again like this i do not want to make this like this is the south's problem and emphatically is not but like at this specific moment particularly intense in the deep south and like you're right your like relationship to the, the 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 sort of like the most authoritarian uh like enforcement arm of like the social that you encounter is basically like we sure did freak those goofy cops out derp derp do like that okay yeah i mean you you really do not understand anything that you're just like blithely you know like tr- you know it, yeah waltzing through on acid you know it's really no problem to go over the border wherever the fuck we feel like in either direction it's fine yeah. and like again yeah. mm- and and again, it should not be, but I mean, it is a huge fucking problem right. for a lot of people to do that. And they either do not see that, or I think more likely do not fucking care to eat, to try no. to see that. No, yeah. they, they don't. But again, I have to fucking blame Tom Wolf because it's just like, it's <laughs> deflecting the, it's like, he's the fucking one who's right did like this. Yeah, and so I, we get it. Like this is cool ass shit that they're doing, man. Look how loserish the I, cop shoes are. Like there are other places this could come in, and it just it it's not. It isn't in the it well, isn't in the book, and that's what makes me want to just yes. like explode. Yes, and I will say that I do. Yeah, right. Like I don't know how much of this to attribute directly to Wolf or to the practice because he does. Like, I mean, there are moments where he does flag their the kind of like casual racism about the way they talk about people and stuff. But to me, it's and Megan, I think you made this point. Like he seems like Wolf seems to be mad because like they're so uncouth. Right. Like not like there. And, and right. And I so, I, so, you know, it's like I again, I, I so I don't know if this is like how what degree like Wolf's perspective is coloring how we're thinking about this or if he's just kind of thoughtlessly picking up what is like very embedded in in what's happening. I think it's probably a little bit of both. My 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 class of Virginia gentlemen would never use such vulgarities to talk. Yes, like, <laughs> well, maybe not in public, but yeah. like we yeah, right, should you know, not use such ha- language in public, sir. <laughs> where's the other piece of your suit yeah, yeah. late present like yeah. they, the all he cares about is like the words themselves or yeah. like how they're say, said in public or like yeah. that's what he cares about he doesn't care yeah. about anything else about like the content of racial slurs right no and i just like this is a ra- like this is a collection of utter dipshits and i had to ride a bus with them because tom wolf (laughs) made me do it yeah i just felt sick to my stomach with white rabbit in my head for a solid (laughs) fucking week i was like this sounds like the barfiest road trip i can possibly imagine one pill makes you larger (laughs) (laughs) a week a week of that Uh, it was not great yeah, what do you think about all the filming? I, I mean, that I, you, I, it's Katie. It sounds like you have more thoughts than that. I did. I was like, oh my god, like these are the worst AV dorks that I have ever encountered. <laughs> you know, can you imagine? It's like, hey, come watch my sixty hours of film that I took out of focus because we were all too high. But you know, I would rather watch HR training videos about how you should never touch <laughs> someone's shoulder. Like I would yeah. just any other thing, but it, like it comes up. They start filming. It's one of the innumerable scenes where the I got to pee problem arises as <laughs> yeah. if 
yeah. uh, as if on, on as if it wasn't expected that the bladder would fill again. <laughs> um, but they're like they've got a guy, they've got a gas station owner guy, and they're fil- they're filming him, and he's just getting like more and more pissed or whatever, and they think it's hysterical, and they they do it to the cops, and then they also so then as we've talked about, they go to this segregated beach and one of the fucking hippies whose name I don't remember right now, the swimming guy, fuck. Uh, he's one of the main ones. Uh, that, well, there's um, there's intrepid traveler, Ken Babs, and then there's Sandy. Vulgar butthole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jiminy Gleck swim- or something. <laughs> yeah, like... Susan's smile or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Magic Mike. Yeah. Yeah. But so he like swims out and there are people in the water and he's like, these are people are all black. Like he it I don't I think it dawns on him. And then he's like, no, actually they're orange. Like everything's <laughs> orange. Everything I don't oh. see color except orange. Yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah. then and then, like, purportedly, they start saying, like, you know, basically, like, what are you doing here? Like, there's a lot of trash in the water today. And he gets out, and then t- Tom Wolf racistly <laughs> says racist things. Um, and <laughs> and then they come back to this movie thing when the cops show up to, like, break it all up because mm-hmm. they've caused a gigantic-ass scene then it like gets to this point where, and I think this is this is Wolf here. He says like he attributes to Sakizi, where we all have to like I don't want to be in this movie. Like I don't yeah. want to. This isn't the movie I want to be in. I want to no. be in a different movie. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And it's it's just like that's the whole thing is that for them they're actually making a shitty movie, and um that takes a special type of individual. But they're like. Not only am I making a shitty movie, but my whole life is a shitty movie and I get to pick which one it is. Right. Like the utter the ability to both I guess like aggrandize your cuz you know the you know like all of them are the they're the main character to them. But it just like touches on I think so much of the book because it's like this metaphor and it's this thing they're really doing and for quite some time I was like, please, God, just pick, make it a metaphor or make it a thing you're doing. Just pick a one. Like the convergence of the two truly, I think, captures something about why this book is so maddening. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. I've no, I've really, I have no particularly good thoughts on it, but I don't, I don't get it, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's, it's something. Yeah. Like it's, crossing dimensions man it's yeah no that's interesting and, and as you like one thing i was thinking about with that whole the idea like you know like, we're in a movie like we're going to change the movie or whatever I, I mean i like okay so i mean one thing like you know a lot of psychologists are you know were in the 60s and are today in like into psychedelics as yeah you know, i mean good like right i mean yeah, you know like fine. really they, really yeah. important uh, as treatment but uh, but also i mean i do think there is i mean one of the one of the like fleeting like i okay this is kind of a compelling or an interesting thought idea is like yeah all right so i mean there's this there's this drug that you can take that, that does um it, it just it rearranges 
the way you perceive the world and and that that may and that that then maybe does enable like a different narrative to emerge or it enables a, a like a different kind of narrative or maybe it lets you choose a different narrative and like you know as literary technique to that 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 also is really interesting right and and so i you know like so that 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 aspect i do think is cool i think that like they believe that it is a little bit more of a profound insight than it might actually be but i also think that there is a way in which the like that just shuts down any other engagement with the world again i'm sorry i you know we've kind of talked about this aspect i don't mean to keep going back there but i just like it's hard for me to like get into that aspect of it because i'm so mad by like the absence of politics that surrounds that whole undertaking well, I'm mad because I want it to at least admit to itself that it's doing a road novel, that part of the movie that it's in is like on the road. They, I can't even remember where I read this, but they talk at some point about the Robert Frank photo series called The Americans, which is mm-hmm. wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like great, you know, the before book America Day by Day is 1947. So it's earlier, but there's like some really interesting sort of like day in the life, like traveling through the US and sort of picking up various like moments or points of view. So there are lots of versions of this that think of mm-hmm. themselves as, as like, not always journalistic, but tend to be nonfiction. And they're so wigged out, or like not really giving a fuck or whatever it is like they have, they're so purposeless. And so like, you must be having fun. And I'm like, what fun am I having? It's not terrible. Mm-hmm. That it can't even like be a movie that I'm like, okay, I at least recognize this form that is yeah. this movie that we're in. It's just yeah. like, or or some weird Hunter S. Thompson gonzo ass anti movie. I would also be into that. That has some sort of like aesthetic coherence. This is right. just like you know, like why do people have sex in the sleeping bag? Like none of these people see like don't fuck these people. That seems like <laughs> yeah. a terrible idea. Yeah, not good. Yeah. And why don't they wash the sleeping bag? Um, I, I guess. I guess the thing is that, like, it's it, they, they are pur- they are totally purposeless, and the manic drive for fun, like the uncompromising, like that that's supposed to be something. It's like if you're gonna be purposeless, just be pur- be, be purposeless. But it's the combination of purposelessness like aggressively and the idea that that very purposelessness is going to transform the world by magic yeah 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 exactly yeah and like it doesn't even i don't know what even to compare it to except i just i'm the most mad there's a book about it (laughs) (laughs) I gotta yeah. wonder who this book is for to some degree because it's like I assume Kesey thought it was great. He yeah he he thought it was uh, he thought it was something um, that uh, he he he's like yeah Tom, Tom Tommy Wolf wrote a good book but he's like but the thing is I, I'm I'm I mean he does say something like this he's like the thing is like you know if you got a wart on your nose and you just stare at it and become like the wart no I don't know what you mean Ken he's like that I just decided I had to get away from that and you know he like he 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 told it was a good book but so I think I yeah I mean I think he I think that like Kesey thought that like yeah he thought it was a good piece of like literature but it didn't really get him a man just like most of the squares <laughs> well there's a moment in the book where he's like we don't want to do books i don't want to do books anymore i want to do life and it's like you're mm-hmm. 
trash human person. And like, just, you know, I, I don't, like not even trying to be woo, but it's like at least Timothy Leary was like, this is about like perception, you know, the yes. foundations of perception itself. And it's like, all right, I mean, like, mm-hmm. sure, sure, let's see what else our brain can do. It's probably pretty fucking wild. Go follow yeah. Timothy Leary around. Jesus Christ. We're right. we're we are on Team Harvard right now. Yeah. Just go follow. Yeah, which this. yeah, like how how? Like how, how is that? Yeah. How did this happen? What, Where who are we? Are we? Where do we come from? Where do we go? This episode was much more of a journey yeah. than the book. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the book I, just sounds like it's a book, it's a fucking slog. I, I've I've loved uh, the conversation. Again, much I'm very glad to be done with this book, but this was this was a blast. So Oh yeah, no, like yeah. we this is a lot of fun, but the book yeah. was yeah. long. I'm having the fun I was promised in the book now. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? That's because I am beyond acid. Sorry, Pat, what? Beyond acid? Throw your yeah, cap yeah. in the air. You've well, graduated. Yeah, yeah, you get, yeah, we'll have to send you a, <laughs> send you your acid test graduation diploma. Neil yeah. Cassidy in a mortarboard and, and low-rise jeans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Everybody's problem side piece, yeah. Neil Cassidy. Yeah, just don't hit yourself in the head with the sledgehammer, you know. No. Also, don't die mysteriously in Mexico at the age of like forty-five. I mean, was it that? Mis- I mean, I know it's like, I, but was it that mysterious? Really? No, it, but it's like it's yeah. kind. It is like it's not mysterious, but it's also very him, right? So it's it like is. who found his body? Like, and it's and, by and the it's, trucks. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's sad too. It's you know. Not oh, a, absolutely. But, it's uh, but it's yeah. just just. Yeah. What, what a what a guy, Neil Cassidy. Anyway, yeah. yes, let's play a game. On that note, let's play a game. The game, it, well, if, as you know, we all read this fucking thing in Jesus Age Christ. I don't. I, I've got some questions for you. I just have questions. The first question is, "Hey, man, is that the fuzz over there? <laughs> is it the fuzz?" fuzz yes or no is that the fuzz uh i'm asking yeah, it's all i mean yeah it's i'm yeah i'm, I'm gonna take the uh keezy paranoid in mexico and say yes it's of course the fuzz yeah it's always the fuzz yeah. it's the How feds you know? it's obviously the feds it's the feds yeah How can i you mean tell? they're still the fuzz but like oh from the tie oh, oh the sh- from the the from shoes the t- right the shoes you oh, can also I'm sorry it is the shoes <laughs> the shoes the tie and the, the noisy Nazi haircuts and the noisy cricket that Will Smith pulls out to shoot the aliens. Oh, no, wait, that's a different um, set of federal enforcement officers. <laughs> okay, so we've determined that it is the fuzz. Uh, but you know what else I want to know? Hey, man, what's that smell? <laughs> what's what is where is it coming from? I'm going to play. I'm going to be plunking on this instrument until I get an answer. Oh, God. Playing doodling on my flute. Um, I, Mercilessly. I think where that smell. I think yeah, this is not. And I'm 
I think I'm channeling Tom Wolf here, which might, doesn't make me feel great. But I think the smell might be coming from some people are not using the gas station bathroom down the street. They're just pissing over there in that corner of the warehouse. <laughs> See, I'm going to take your answer and go one step deeper, which is I was really going to say this before you did, which is it's the stuff that we're planting our magic mushroom spores in. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it could be that too. Yeah, Just, you know, call very, me when you're ready to harvest. Yeah, I think it'll be a million years, right? Because they have to like build a rhizome underground, and then it's only the fruits that are the mushrooms, right? Oh yeah, they have the um, they have some of them have some of them have mycorrhizal fungi at the end that help um, stabilize the soil and stuff and such. So um, that's fun to know. Fun mm. fact to know and tell. Well, we all know um, what they're growing in, nonetheless. <laughs> yes, it's 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 doo doo from asses, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll I'll skip the hey man what's in the punch bowl because we all know what's in the punch bowl by now. But I have another question. It's more pee. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, more pee. <laughs> ass and it's actually just piss. Yeah. <laughs> so the the bus is described as what would happen if um you gave Hieronymus Bosch fifty buckets of day glow paint and a 1939 international harvester school bus mm-hmm. but what would really happen if you gave hieronymus bosch 50 gallons of day glow paint and a and a fucking school bus what would actually happen do you know some fucking wild me? shit like that sounds amazing neon demons do- marching yeah. all over it I'm thinking like a like a hell chariot of some kind, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's much more like a you know. Did Guar travel on a bus? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's the Guar exactly. road bus. It's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, eighty thousand times more fun than the Merry Pranksters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost anything is. Well, thanks for answering those. Uh, incisive questions i had nothing left in my soul <laughs> after finishing this there was yeah, just I, a, not a, a husk an empty shell so um uh, thank you for for contributing your knowledge and wisdom um to these questions you know what thank you i yeah. feel that even at the end of all of our ropes those were completely legitimate questions yeah so i was real I- tired <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm real tired. I'm very glad <laughs> to not read this book anymore. But again, it was it was it was fun dunking on it, and uh, and now I have checked off all of the new <laughs> journalists. Just oh, you haven't uh, read I, the Executioner song, have you? No, I still got to read the Executioner. Right, yeah. That's 1,200 pages. Have fun. No, yeah, I, <laughs> but I got yeah, I got got a few more of the famous ones under my belt. So you got to catch them all. Yeah. You got to catch them all. Anyway, this has been Better Than Dead. You can find me on Twitter at Tusslersaurus, Katie on Twitter at Katie Crywo, and Tristan on Twitter at TJ Schweiger. You can find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Better Ed Pod, and email us at betteredpodcast at gmail.com, but only if it's to tell us what your road name would be. And here's the thing. I just remembered that some of the people in Guar were called such things as odorous rungus and slime menstra hymen and those seem like (laughs) cool names unlike the ones that the fucking pranksters had tell me your guar name don't tell me your prankster name (laughs) the winners of this episode are guar 
<laughs> yeah, we, 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 yeah, we, we, yeah, we took a journey there for sure. We did. Enter Music is uh, Lev Bronstein by the Redskins and used with their permission. Our logo was created by Jane Bonsack of JB Design and Content. Rate, review, subscribe. We love it. And next week we have Pauline Hopkins of One Blood and George Schuyler's Black No More on deck after that. So thanks, comrades. Go!